It's time to take a moment to acknowledge one of the great sponsors that keeps the Needless Things podcast free for you every single Friday. We're living in tough times. The economy is uncertain. We're facing an election with two candidates that are utter bags of shit, and that new NES Classic mini console is going to be an absolute bitch to find. But one of the biggest problems facing society today is trick-or-treaters that aren't wearing costumes. There's no greater disappointment than decorating your house and loading up that bowl of candy only to have some kid in sweatpants with a pillowcase appear at your door. Or maybe you're having a Halloween party that you've poured dozens of hours and hundreds of dollars into, but your lazy, good-for-nothing friend shows up in jeans and a t-shirt. I'm here to tell you, don't put up with those fuckers. Because now, there's a great product called Hose Away to get rid of those unwanted shiftless layabouts that can't be bothered to costume. Hose Away's special Shitbag Be Gone system will connect to your home's internal water supply. Just open the door, aim the specially designed 4-inch nozzle, and 400 PSI of watery fury will blow those worthless wastes of space right off your porch or out of your carport. Go to hoseaway.com today and enter the promo code PHANTOM to get a 15% discount on your order and installation. Don't put up with lazy shits taking advantage of your Halloween spirit. Order from Hoseaway today. And now, it's time for a needless Halloween. <laughs> Screams, moans, bats and bones, teenage monsters and haunted homes. On the stair, the vampires fight. Better beware, there's a full moon tonight. Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and this is the final 31 Days of Halloween podcast of the season. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is still... Halloween. All right. We are going to do something a little different and a little special this time around. I wanted this to come off like one of the old school Halloween specials. If you visit needlessthingssite.com on Monday, you will see a full day of Halloweeny programming suggestions that I've put together. And to me, there's nothing better uh, from television than the Halloween special because it's something that 
everybody did at some point or other. Sitcoms, dramas, animated specials, whatever. I love Halloween specials, so that's what we're doing tonight. And we're going straight into the episode for this Needless Things podcast Halloween special. I wanted to bring in a very specific group of people. I have got a master of horror. I've got the lady that I consider to be always uh, an aficionado on horror, uh, whose opinion I respect greatly. And we've got a spooky rookie sitting here in on the Halloween special. So it's time to introduce those people right now. First of all, uh, I want to say hello to Beth. What are you doing tonight, spooky lady? Well, I... I would be in the other room watching The Strangers right now with my husband, but I decided to record with you guys instead. I appreciate that. The Strangers is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's pretty awesome, so I appreciate the sacrifice you're making and not watching a movie that's probably available on Blu-ray for $3. Yeah, well, (laughs) who buys movies? Thank you for making making the tough decision. Yeah, I do. Phantom buys movies. And I'm so I know, that's who I said. Besides you, Oh my gosh, Beth, it sounds like you're being taken over by an evil android right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is. This could not be better for the Halloween episode. It's the end of Superman 4. While, oh, dude, stop. No, 3. Superman 3. Oh, 3. You're right. You're right. Which is a a good call out because before we introduce our next guest, I will mention that Superman 3 is one of the movies that scared the living fuck out of me when I was a little phantom. Uh, And maybe I'll talk a little bit bit more about that later. But before that, let me bring into the show... Our pal, one of our favorite people in the world, the Red Ranger, Sean. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. And I'm a little embarrassed that I got my Superman 3 and 4 confused. That's okay, um, man. Dude, well, the shit show versions, those just run together in my brain. It, right. Yeah, that, dude, that's <laughs> totally fine. Nobody likes either one of those for any reasons of legitimate filmmaking. They're more, right. they're more anecdotes of like... Look how something great can go so horribly wrong. Yeah, and I am totally with you. That The scene at the end where she gets overtaken by the robot parts right. scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't – even now I can't watch it without my butthole kind of going like <laughs> – It's it's a very uncomfortable scene, and I don't know why. Like it, just something about it is just – it's just not right. Well, just that, not and- right. Well, and and it's it's body horror. It's it's one of those. Yeah. It's and it's a topic that we were gonna cover on an episode this month that I'm gonna now save for later, uh, just because we we didn't we had other stuff going on. But it's that the human body being overtaken by a foreign thing and and stuff happening to it that's beyond your control. It's it's definitely a, a base yeah. human reaction. And uh, speaking of base human reactions. My base human reaction to our next guest is utter joy because, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Derek Tatum is back on the show. Derek, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm calling from my compound in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So. Mm, nice. Yeah. Well, we are happy to have uh, all of you on the show. Like I said, I, I feel like this is a great uh, it's like a smorgasbord of different horror experiences and viewpoints, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun 
And what we're going to do for, for the listeners to know what's going on, we're going to kind of slice everything up into fun size Snickers bar like pieces of commentary and uh, just talk about some different topics of Halloween-y type stuff. Before we get into the bulk of the conversation, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you guys got to the point of being interested in horror or spooky things or Halloween or whatever it may be. Because I don't, I don't want to limit what we discuss here tonight because it is a Halloween episode. So... It's not just about horror movies. It's not just about spooky comics or literature or whatever the case may be. It's also about wearing costumes and this time of year and how it affects you and what it means to you. Uh, just it's just kind of everything in general about the spookiness of the Halloween season. And how we're going to start that off is where you guys became fans of it. And I'll go ahead and start. Uh, just so you have an idea of what we're going to go for here. When I was a kid, uh, we would travel up to North Carolina, where my grandparents lived, and visit them. And I would stay up late at night and watch. And I can't remember the name of the programming block. I don't remember there being a specific horror host. But late at night on one of the channels, starting at about 9 o'clock and going to like 3 in the morning or something, they would just show old horror movies. And almost every time there was a Hammer horror movie, whether it was The Mummy or one of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies or The Reptile or whatever, that those Hammer movies being showed late at night, watching them with my granny was my introduction to horror. And uh, she also always had this basket full of paperback novels, uh, just an old school basket with the big handle on it, uh, with probably eight or ten books just laying in there. And once we were done watching whatever spooky movies there were, because Granny, Granny didn't stay up as late as I did, once she went to bed, I would grab one of those books, whether it was Stephen King's Night Shift or Carrie or whatever the case may be, and that's how I got into Stephen King. That's how I got into reading horror. And as far as Halloween itself, it's funny. This is... Uh, I, I got a huge box of books of photographs uh, from back when we still had physical photographs from my parents. And there are all these pictures of me from Halloween in like 1979 up through 1989. And in 1980, I was super Grover for Halloween. And because that's perfect, actually. Well, it's the greatest I, costume ever. I love, I love costumes. I love dressing up. I love uh, just being different characters. But I need the costume to be right. And in this picture of me as Super Grover, which is up on my Instagram, and if you're following El Phantasmus on Facebook, it's up there as well. I have these fuzzy blue onesie pajamas on under the vinyl. This is the old school 80s vinyl costume with the plastic mask. Uh, oh, have, so you basically wore a trash bag that had a picture of the character yes. on it? <laughs> well, no, no, no. It was better than that. It wasn't one of those like uh, Ben Ben Cooper deals that just had like a picture of Luke Skywalker on the front or whatever. This was right, okay. actually, it was a vinyl smock with Super Grover's like body and everything on it and the symbol. Like it actually looked 
it was it was good. It wasn't just a picture of Super Grover, uh, but I had to put fuzzy blue pajamas under it because it bothered the heck out of me that my human arms were going to be sticking out of the Super Grover costume. And I remembered that once I saw the picture, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've been like this since I was four. <laughs> and I remembered having the conversation with my mom of I can't have like a white long sleeve shirt sleeves or or you know my human arms sticking out of the super grover we've got I've got to be blue and furry everywhere because that's what he looks like so even at 4 years old I was I was the uh pain in the ass that I am now <laughs> I love the idea of 4 year old phantom running around like I need more masks yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that was definitely, I, I very specifically remember Halloween time every year. I had specific costume needs and my poor mother would drive me around. Uh, cause you know, there, there were, there was no spirit Halloween back then. Obviously there was no Halloween city. Right, yeah. There wasn't even a party city. So wherever we went, Richway or, you know, Lionel Playworld or whoever had costumes at the time, uh, there, there, I don't think there was a year where we made one trip to the store and she's like, Hey, there's the thing you wanted. All right, we're done. I don't think that happened ever. So, but I just, I love spooky stuff. I love Halloween because I, I love dressing up and, and I love just being a part of a big cultural event like that. And it just, uh, the, the stuff makes me happy. I enjoy it. Uh, Beth, what about you? How, how did you come to be a fan of the creepy, and, and what are your Halloween feelings? Well, I also always enjoyed getting to dress up and be somebody else. And from the age when I was old enough to start picking out my own costumes is when I really got into it. Because I've seen pictures of me in... Minnie Mouse and stuff like that from when I was too young to say, no, fuck you. I don't want to be this. <laughs> I really want a picture of Minnie Mouse Beth now. But You're it would so be not going to see that. Angry, I, angry it's, Minnie it's, Mouse Beth. I'm going to just it's Photoshop a, one because it would be worth it. <laughs> it's a plastic mess. You can't even tell who I am under it. <laughs> but as soon as I was old enough to decide, okay, this is who I'm going to be be for this night it wasn't this is i'm going to dress up as this for tonight this is who i'm going to be and i think the first costume i ever made myself was i decided i was going to be a punk and i was probably like six years old so my idea of a punk was i put the the purple color in my hair and i made myself a dress out of a trash bag that looked terrible that's not too far <laughs> off was, though yeah well, maybe yeah. for the time, yeah, probably. Yeah, in the in the eighties, that that would have been pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that that was, of course, my young idea of what a punk should be. But I walked around on being mean to people and yelling at people, which, if you know me now, isn't too different from how I am now. <laughs> maybe that's where that came from. So what you're saying is you never took the costume off after you put it on. Pretty much, there's a black plastic <laughs> trash bag around my heart. Also, I think a lot of what got me in horror was where I grew up. So when we were, when I was probably about five, my dad decided to build a cabin in the woods on five acres of land that also ran up to a lake. 
and I was too young to know how terrifying that would be at the time. We moved to Florida when I was about eight, maybe nine. Oh, my gosh. Talk about terrifying. Exactly. But we also had a canal in our backyard, so you'd go to play in the backyard, and there's an alligator sitting there. And then I saw the movie Alligator and said, holy shit, these things are going to get enormous, and they're going to eat me, and I'm going to die. So we moved back to Georgia to the same house in the woods, and by then I had seen Friday the 13th and said, oh, awesome. So now I'm not going to get eaten by an alligator. Now a guy in a hockey mask is going to kill me. I am screwed. It's probably easier just to get into this stuff and go with it. So wait, did you move (laughs) back to Georgia because you saw alligator? Were you like, mom, dad? No. Let me explain to you what happens with domesticated (laughs) alligators and why we don't need to live in Florida anymore. And they were like, wow, that is messed up. Let's go back to Georgia to our to our creepy killer camp cabin. What was weird was moving from one house, and it, we moved back to the same house. We, we didn't even go get a new house. We were like, hey, this house is for sale. Let's go buy it. It's the house we used to live in. Well, of course it was still for sale because nobody wants to live in your Camp Crystal Lake house. Exactly. I don't blame them. <laughs> no, we, we moved to and from Florida for my dad's work. I was too young to realize how awful Florida was at the time because I was a little kid and I was just like sunshine and beaches. Yay. And my soul wasn't quite as dark as it was or sure. as it is now. <laughs> Sun- I understand. Sunshine and beaches used to be fun for me. <laughs> it used to be. Oh, not so much anymore. Uh, what about you, Derek? How have you come to be the spooky individual that you are now? And what are your Halloweeny feelings? You know, I, I, I'm not sure if I talked about this the first time I was on here or not, uh, but uh, yeah, I've always loved monsters, and I'm not really sure where that came from. Uh, but uh, I later on, uh, when I was, uh, I mean, I can remember having those Rimco monster toys from a very early age. Uh, if if y'all know about, if y'all are familiar with those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I still have them. That's the great thing. Um, but. Uh, later on, I just developed more of a love of general horror. I, I, I generally um, blame that one on the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark books by uh, Stephen Schwartz with uh, the great art by Stephen Gamble, mm-hmm. which uh, scared the crap out of a lot of people, including a young version of me. But as I got older, I came to appreciate it. And... Um, and then it just sort of rolled downhill from there, I would I guess. <laughs> I'm glad you bring up uh, scary stories to tell in the dark because you're right. Like, as a kid, those were too much for me. Like, I was fascinated by them, but I also very specifically remember, like, looking at those illustrations. Because the stories themselves aren't, you know, they're fun, but they're not oh, yeah. really that hardcore. But those illustrations put that thing over the top. I mean, that was—it's—it's it's truly disturbing stuff. Oh yeah, even by adult standards. And we're not in a. It, for those of you out there who haven't seen these, uh, they're not like. It's not so much explicit gore, although some some of the pictures are fairly gory. Yeah, but um, it's. But just the way they're presented, uh, Gamble's art style is very has a very surrealistic horror element to it. 
where it's like when I was a kid, you know, if I saw a werewolf, I knew what that was as a werewolf. But some of those things in that book, I, I just I couldn't figure out what it was. And that I think that that element is what kind of disturbed me is that I couldn't put it into a box. <laughs> well, he's he's one of those artists that has such a specific style and such a specific, I guess, vision of things that you, I mean, you know what he's going for, but at the same time, it's so different from anything that you've seen that just the uniqueness of it is disturbing in and of itself. Yeah, and he actually illustrated a book on uh, vampires and a book on werewolves. Uh, I have the were a paperback version of the werewolf book, but it doesn't have all of the art in it, which is unfortunate. But uh, Meet the Vampire and Meet the Werewolf, I think uh, George's Mark McHargue, uh, wrote those so if anybody out there likes the scary stories books uh, might be worth hitting ebay or uh, looking for those if you want more of uh, his uh, horror themed art he's he's done some uh, children's books though that are not uh, intentionally creepy at any rate but there's something sort of very weird about his art style in general like you say yeah yeah was he the same guy that did where the sidewalk ends artwork no, no, that's Shel uh-uh. Silverstein. Did did the artwork as well as the writing? Yeah. Okay. All right. I feel like those covers were similar in my head for some reason. There, well, and there, I totally get that because there is because Shel Silverstein stuff, even though it was a little more cartoony in nature, uh, there there is something uh, a little haunting about his work too. Well, I feel yeah, like I I've actually. I, I feel like I. I, when I was younger and I saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, I was attracted to it because it had that look. Like, I was like, oh, this looks like where the sidewalk ends. And then you read it and you couldn't sleep for a week. Well, it's that, you know, <laughs> it's that, that black and white, that line work that, yeah. uh, you know, it is in a weird way, a sort of specifically, uh, sort of 70s, early 80s style of illustration that we don't see a lot of now. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was like very simple yet deceptively so. Like, it, like you couldn't just sit down and just whip that out. But. And I might be, oh, I might no. be totally off in the era in which they were produced because I don't know. But I know as a kid that I, I feel like there was a style of children's books that it wasn't Arthur. Or like the Berenstain Bears, you know what I mean? Like there, there were these sort of dark, weird children children's books that that felt like something different. That that had that, and and you know what? That's a little bit of the appeal of horror to me is when something has that almost taboo about it. Like I don't know if I should be looking at this. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. There, I think that subversive element is very important, actually to uh to the genre yeah yeah without a doubt like that's that's part of the appeal for sure sean yes what about you buddy (laughs) you're you have you have a slightly different story than the rest of us which is one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on uh because i i like having a different perspective i like having a a different life experience. So what, what's been going on with you, uh, Halloween and horror wise, how did you come to be here? So I have, Halloween has always been my favorite holiday, 
but I've not necessarily always been into like deep in the horror. Like I, uh, uh, as I explained on the, if you happen to listen to the Rad Rangers Radical Radcast hashtag shameless plug, um, I actually describe myself as a comic book fan who likes horror, um, and so I sort of came through horror by way of comic books. You know, rather than being someone that took a deep dive into horror and oh my god, I've got to see all the horror movies. Um, I started off with, uh, I just love the idea at Halloween. I just love the idea of getting to pretend to be somebody else and dressing up. And I did, I had plenty of the, uh, the sort of as, as we jokingly refer to them, the trash bag costumes with the character's face on it. And you're like, that's not even a costume. You're just, it's just branding. Um, but, uh, but then I would push a little further and, and, um, I'll, I'll share the picture again when the episode comes out. I actually had my mom make me a Zodak costume. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, oh, cause I talked about it on the Toy Stories panel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually had my mom make me the, the one and only time I've really ever worn a football helmet was when it was a Zodak helmet. Um, uh, because I was just, I had to be Zodak for Halloween. I was like, oh, this is the one time of year I really get to do this. Now, I will be honest, I would be Zodak any other day of the year as well. It's just that it was socially acceptable to do it on Halloween. Um, and there actually are photos of me running around in the middle of summer dressed in my Halloween Spider-Man costume, which was made from uh, a pair of pantyhose that my mom drew on with a marker nice. and put into a mask. Um, so there's there's three-year-old Sean. I kind of was always pushing the thing and like, all right, no, I need a real costume. I don't want to just put this other stuff on. So um, my first probably horror love was Frankenstein uh, as a kid. There was just something about Frankenstein's monster. That uh, I love dressing up like that. I think maybe I did it for a school play or something, and I went full on out. And uh, again, as much as I bash my parents on podcasts, I have to give my mom credit. She did really step up her game when it came to Halloween costumes. So that really instilled a love in me really early on. It was kind of like Halloween was that one time a year where I didn't have to pretend to be like everybody else. And I could just feel normal while everybody else was having fun being other stuff. Uh, then as I got older... Well, when I was younger, horror stuff just scared the shit out of me, um, and so I tended to avoid it because I had a very overactive imagination, and it would mean that I wouldn't sleep. Um, uh, and so I, I really avoided it until I got older, and then when I got older, I really wanted to see, like, what is it that made me so afraid? Let me dig into this. And now, recently, uh, I'd say probably in the last five to ten years, I've decided – uh, I, I've, I've gone a little deeper into kind of the horror. I've, I've jumped into the eighties, the slasher genre. Um, I've watched some more of the modern horror stuff. Uh, still a little squicky with body horror, but, um, a lot of that old school stuff. And I love the old hammer. Uh, the, those old hammer things are, the, uh, movies are amazing. It's also kind of fun to play spot the star Wars actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then most recently, um, uh, thanks to, uh, to Ryan Cadaver of the Casket Creatures, the, uh, the unofficial mascot for the Radcast. Um, I have had the chance. I had never done a haunted house before in my life until this year. And now, and I will obviously get into this a bit more later, but I've now done 11, uh, in the last month. Um, doing the two at Netherworld and then there were nine down at, uh, Universal Studios. So, yeah, so it started off as just really, a, a, a having, an enjoyment of a day where I could just be whoever I wanted and social norms be damned because it was the one day a year where everybody could party and I could just sort of embrace my weirdness into uh, digging deeper into the more spooky horror aspects as as I got older and um, was a little more 
well equipped mentally to be able to handle that and not have to worry about uh, having nightmares in my sleep. And that's a good point about Halloween because I, I now that you bring that up, that it does occur to me that part of the appeal was like I want to dress up as Luke Skywalker every day. I love Star Wars that much, or I. I love whatever character it might be. Like, I, I want to do this all the time, but nobody else seems as into stuff as I am. <laughs> right. Like, nobody else seems to sit down and plot out massive storylines with their G.I. Joe figures. Nobody else wants to act as these characters, like, in quite the same way that I do. And on Halloween, you get to put together this, like, awesome, as accurate as your, you know, nine or ten year old self can manage costume and and do it and you're like why isn't every day like this and then good old uncle al jurgensen is like no every day is halloween yeah and and it i mean really growing up there were three things you had um for me at least you had cartoons you had books both comic books and regular literature and particularly as i got older i got a little more into the literature the classic uh horror tropes and literature uh gothic horror primarily and then halloween and, you know, the car- the cartoons and the books are very sort of independent, and Halloween was the one time where you could really celebrate it sort of out with other people. Well, and it's funny how – and this is all part of merchandising and, and whatever else, but it's funny how all of the uh, franchises do get rolled into Halloween because it's not – you know, I, at a, there was a time prior to the 80s where Halloween was mainly about being spooky – and then the people that met, you know, Hasbro and Kenner and whoever else realized, hey, we can probably make some money off of that. Let's oh, yeah. uh, let's sign up with these Ben Cooper guys and start putting out, you know, uh, strawberry shortcake costumes and, and whatever else. <laughs> it's it's very far removed from the Sawan Pagan Festival that, uh, that 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 has its roots in, or even the Dia de los Muertos uh, down in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> they're they're not dressing up like little Bo Peep. Well, they they will be though. It'll get to them. It'll, eventually they'll, they'll break down. They'll they'll get corrupted. <laughs> Even the pagans will be dressed like Darth Vader. So now depends I, on which ones. <laughs> yeah. So now it is time to move on to our second delicious bite-sized segment, where we will remember, remember Halloween. Halloween. And what I want to do here is talk a little bit about specific Halloween memories, whether it's costumes or parties that you've gone to or just anything that happened this time of year that's a especially fond memory of yours. Uh, and I want to start with Derek this time. Have you got have you got some warm fuzzies about October's past? You know, it's weird because when you're like me and uh every day is pretty much Halloween in some form or fashion, the day itself is kind of anticlimactic. It's almost like <laughs> this is the season to stock up on your year-round supplies at Target or Michael's or wherever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, well, you know, but otherwise it's just every year I'm like, I'm going to do something for Halloween. I'm going to do for something for Halloween, and it just never really happens for whatever reason. And it's looking like that's going to happen this year again as well. Now, 
I guess my favorite Halloween memory is when I was a kid, like a, a little kid, um, well, uh, probably about like 13, um, I would put on, I would put on haunted houses in my garage. And, uh, one time this older high school student actually got so scared that their nose started bleeding before they even came in the haunted house I whipped up in the garage. Oh man. That is amazing. I, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So somebody getting a nosebleed cause I terrified them so badly before they even entered. Yeah. That's my favorite Halloween memory. <laughs> that's solid, man. That's a, that's a good one. I would. Freaking out an older kid. That's like, yeah, that's a trophy right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you frame that shit and you like, <laughs> you carry it with you. <laughs> you need a flavor flame style necklace that just has an award on it for scaring the shit out of that kid. And that's your costume for next year. <laughs> uh, Beth, what about you? You've, uh, you are what I think of as a, an active Halloweener. Uh, because as long as I've known you, you have always sort of had Halloween things going on, been a part of stuff, uh, as far as just at the very least a party, you know, around Halloween time. Uh, I, I feel like you've stayed on top of it. I, I've tried to stay on top of it. In fact, our, our friends who were hosting a Halloween party until they had a kid and are now going back to hosting the Halloween party now that the kid's a little grown up. We're posting uh, trips down memory lane going back to, I think I've seen pictures of me in costumes going back at this particular party all the way back to 2007. And it reminds me that I need to bring back some costumes that I haven't pulled out in a while. Uh, one of my favorite being my Girls Gone Wild costume where I just wore a flesh-colored tank top and had the word censored written over my chest. And wore a normal shirt on top of it and would just go around going, Woo, and pulling my shirt up. <laughs> I, <laughs> that I, that I, was like 2007, <laughs> 2008. I think it comes, I think it's coming back. <laughs> oh my God. And knowing your personality, that is even better because it's completely ironic the entire time. The, the, <laughs> Beth, Nothing about that it is not snarky. Beth Gone Wild <laughs> would not be. Beth running around pulling her shirt up. It would be Beth running around with like a Glock nine millimeter taking <laughs> right. motherfuckers out. That would Beth be Beth gone wild, gone wild looks like Michael Douglas and falling down. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that is oh, awesome. <laughs> anyway. Uh, childhood memories I don't have a I don't have a ton of. I think it was due to my parents uh habit of blowing pot smoke on our face to keep us calm when we were young. It really <laughs> happened. That's a true story. Wow. <laughs> they really did that. <laughs> so, That's all. so my childhood is kind of hazy in some places. And, and it's <laughs> also why you've had to incorporate cybernetics into your personal self uh, for the purposes of this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to hide my identity. It's a voice changer box. It's not that the Skype connection keeps going out. It is. It's the it's the Optimus Prime voice changer from the last yeah, movie. It, it's nothing to do. It's nothing to do with Skype problems. I'm just trying to hide my shame. I've always I'm I'm actually kind of in Derek's boat to where, you know, you grow up and you see all of these movies and TV shows and whatever. 
where they have these huge orchestrated parties where everybody is dressed in elaborate, awesome costumes and like a cool band is playing and everybody's doing crazy white people 80s dances and you're <laughs> like, wow, that's what I should be doing on Halloween. And, and that that never happens. Like, I've never seen a party like that except for uh, in 2013 or 14, uh, a great, great Atlanta event called Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse had its final year. And, and it, that's a very meaningful thing to me, the AZA was, because it's the first place I ever hosted a wrestling show was in the parking lot at the Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse. Uh, the first haunted attraction that my wife and I ever went to together was Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse. And the greatest Halloween party I have ever been to, and chances are will ever be to, was the final night of the Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse when it closed down for good. And... It was that 80s movie TV show Halloween party where there were four different rooms. There was a DJ in one. There were bands playing in the other rooms. Everybody was in these crazy costumes. And it was in this massive uh, paintball complex. So it's this, it's like this huge abandoned hotel because that's what it used to be before the paintball place started using it. It was literally like a travel lodge or something. So it's this massive abandoned complex with uh, four or five really big rooms and a bunch of small hallway rooms, and it's all populated by Halloween party. And there are kegs, and there are people selling jello shots, and everybody is going out of their fucking minds because ever since we were kids, this is what we've seen and never experienced. And it was it was freaking amazing. Uh, it's one of the best times I've ever had in my life. Uh, yeah, and, now, and it's nothing will live up to it. Now I will say one year uh, during I think it was the Masquerade's last third third annual last Halloween ever event. Uh, my friends Bella Morte played a uh, show, and that that actually got close to the. Uh, um, movie parties that you see, you know, <laughs> right, right. And the masquerade is a great place for it too, because that place has so much atmosphere. Like even, even during standard events, there would be times where that place got a little spooky and weird. Uh, it's allegedly haunted. Uh, yeah, I never. I worked <laughs> there for almost two years, and I, uh, the, being in the place above purgatory where sometimes they would open it up and then some idiot would throw a bottle or fall off or whatever and they'd have to close it back down again. <laughs> uh, the, the time that I worked there, we used it to store chairs uh, because up in – for the listeners that don't know, the Masquerade is my favorite rock and roll venue ever. Uh, it's an old sawmill in downtown Atlanta and they have Purgatory, Heaven, and Hell. Purgatory and Hell are both downstairs and traditionally Purgatory was a bar – Hell was a nightclub, and Heaven upstairs was where bands would play. It's a little different now, but at the time when I worked there, that was the setup. And when bands like 
British punk bands, things that, that might get too rowdy played in heaven upstairs, we would pull all the chairs out and we would store them in this space above purgatory. And that was the creepiest place in the club. That was a place that I wasn't always comfortable going in. And I never had anything specific. Nothing ever happened in there. I never saw any weird shadows or anything like that. But that, that area of the club had a real heaviness to it that, that I can't really explain because you could look right down into purgatory from up there and, and it's, you know, it's just, oh, there's the bar. But just being up there was really weird. Hmm. And I can see an, uh, that that is a perfect venue for cool Halloween stuff. Uh, what about you, Red Ranger? Um, so some uh, I talked about the Zodak costume. That is definitely ranks up there as one of my favorite Halloweens. Um, tangentially related to Halloween, <laughs> I uh, was very irreverent when it came to getting into college, um, I really, I thought all the placement exams and the essays and everything that you had to, to do were ridiculous. And, um, cause I was just a dumb kid. And so I remember distinctly there was, um, uh, a placement exam that I had to write, uh, not a placement exam, but a, an essay that I had to write to get into the university of Georgia. And, um, it's one of these things you show up and you sit in a giant conference room and then they hand out these things and you're supposed to just take whatever thing is on the top and then pass it down. And I didn't. I flipped through quickly to find a topic I would be interested in writing on. And one of them was what was your favorite holiday? And so I quickly grabbed that one and passed the rest down uh, and then proceeded to write about how Halloween was my favorite holiday. But being a bored, irreverent 18-year-old asshole – I decided that rather than just saying that Halloween was my favorite holiday and being sincere, I was going to take it as batshit crazy as I could. And I kind of sort of just wrote the long-form equivalent of ministry lyrics uh, about my love of Halloween and the darkness. And um, my entire goal was <laughs> to see if I could freak somebody out um, at UGA admissions. I don't think it worked because I got accepted. Um so they but, probably uh, looked at it and were like, Ugh, another one of these, another, another fucking creative it, writing. Teacher. At least, at least <laughs> it makes sense. Let's let right. him in. Right. Exactly. It's at least grammatically correct. Right. In 15 years, he's going to graduate with an English degree and it'll all make sense. Uh, cause that's how long it took me to graduate with my English degree. Um, <laughs> very circuitous. So, um, that was probably one of my more tangentially – like I said, it, it didn't happen on Halloween, but it was one, one of those things where I just kind of um, took my, my love of Halloween and, and I found a, uh, a unique outlet to sort of play around with it and turn it up to 11. Um, but it does tie into the things I do love about Halloween. And it is like you can – like we talked about, you can let your, your freak flag fly. Um, probably the, uh, the most memorable Halloween – I actually made Halloween stretch out for a week and um, as you do, uh, I was working at Best Buy in Athens, Georgia, and I decided that I was going to be Keith Flint from The Prodigy. Uh. Um, <laughs> and and I wasn't going to phone it in. I was going like I was going all in. And so I told my manager at work, hey, 
I'm about to give myself this crazy haircut. It's Halloween week. Can I just come into work like that? And they were like, sure. And my manager was kind of an unassuming older woman who had no idea who the hell the prodigy was. There was another manager there that was a little more close in my age, and he said, no, 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 no. Trust me, if you're going to let him do that, just let him wear his whole damn costume because it will make more sense. And she said, okay, that's sure, that's fine. And she was thinking it was going to be a standard Halloween costume. And I show up with my head shaved down the middle. One side is dyed purple. The other side is dyed green. I have a fake septum piercing in my nose, like <laughs> eyeliner and black marks all over my face. And She, she wearing- thought you were going to come in in a vinyl smock with a picture of Keith Flint on the front. <laughs> exactly, and a shitty plastic mask right. that cut off circulation <laughs> in my head and did not expect when I walked in looking exactly like Keith Flint. Um, uh, <laughs> and could not believe I actually did die and shave my head for that. And I was like, no, I was, I was dedicated to this gimmick. So I was going all in with it. Um, and so I looked like that for a week. Now, the amusing part is that walking around downtown Athens, Georgia, I just looked like anybody else. Um, yep. but, uh, <laughs> but I did get to at, uh, at one of the bars I walked in, a friend of mine worked there. And when I walked in pretty drunk by this point, um, Thankfully, I lived in downtown Athens, so it made it really easy to get shit-faced and get home safely. Uh, walked into the bar, and they saw me walk in, and they immediately put on Firestarter, at which point I climbed up to their balcony area and drunken dumbass me performed the entire song as Keith Flint flailing myself all over the balcony about knocking myself over the balcony at one point and landing on the bar. Um Wow. That was fairly entertaining. So that was probably the most entertaining and uh, and craziest Halloween story that I have. I Since you bring up Keith Flint, I, <laughs> I must share my own personal Keith Flint story. Uh, I this was is probably the most – this is the most press that Keith Flint has gotten in like 15 years, I bet. And right, <laughs> rightfully, rightfully so. Maybe 20. <laughs> So I was – I found the Firestarter music video and accompanying song to be one of the most ridiculous things I had ever seen in my life at the time that it came out. That makes it all the more appropriate that that's what I was for Halloween. I cannot – that's our dynamic. I cannot – yeah, it really does. It explains everything. Uh I laughed so hard at that ridiculous idiot and that silly, (laughs) silly song, but I became known for my interpretation of the Firestarter dance. (laughs) I worked... I worked at... Oh, God, please tell me there's video of this somewhere. No, there's not. Nobody oh. had... This was 1997, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you would have had to have... Nothing actual... saying you can't do it now. Well, yeah, that's true. Get me drunk <laughs> enough. Excuse show. Uh, but I, I worked at Hot Topic at the time, and it, it would actually be a request, like, do the do the Firestarter thing. like, And I would... Hang my tongue as far out of my head as I could and shake my head and it was, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. Well, then Prodigy actually played at the masquerade while I was working there. And Keith Flint is one of the biggest bitches I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, he pitched a literal four year old toddler style hissy fit backstage. Because we wouldn't go get him cocaine. 
laid, <laughs> laid on the floor, pounding his fists and maybe crying. I can't verify that, but it would not surprise me oh because nobody would go get him cocaine. During the show, I had the misfortune of working the stage. And once again, for the listeners who are not familiar with the masquerade, up in heaven, uh, there is a raised stage that has a barricade in front of it, and then there's a well in front of the stage where, depending on the show, security will sit uh, to make sure people don't get up on the stage. Sometimes you have a great experience, like I had with Faith No More or with Ween, where you just get on the stage and watch the show from amazingly up close. Uh, I have an intimate relationship with Roddy Bottom's keyboards. But... Other times, with bands like Stuck Mojo or Prodigy, you would have these meathead assholes trying to get up on stage the whole time. They would grab at you. They, it was it was either the best or the worst job in the whole building. Well, when Prodigy played, it was, aside from Radiohead, it was the pack, most packed the club had ever been because Prodigy didn't do a huge U.S. tour. They played like maybe 10 cities and that was it. And the masquerade was one of them. Well, this little Keith Moon, Keith, what, I said Keith Moon. Boy, Keith, Keith, what the fuck is his name? Keith Flint. Keith Flint, which I, I never could have, I would have just called him that little fire starter fucker if you hadn't brought him up. (laughs) Um, That little fire starter fucker repeatedly kept climbing up on my back, like mounting me. And I think he thought I was going to like stand up and carry him around because he's, he's all of five foot one. Uh, but I just sat there trying to ignore him as he spit all over my head and oh. dug his stupid claw fingernail hot topic rings. And yes, I understand I worked at hot topic, but shut up. His stupid hot topic <laughs> rings into my back with his nasty British hairsprayed self. The only more revolting experience I ever had when I was at Hot Topic was when the Insane Clown Posse played there and I had to work the stage and I got covered in Fago. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yes, whoop, whoop, indeed. And I don't, and look, I don't hate Insane Clown Posse. Uh, I, I get it. They're, they're funny. I think they're funny as shit, but that was a miserable experience. Uh, o- only, uh, seconded by Keith Flint being a douchebag. That has nothing to do with Halloween, but that story had to come out of me. They, no, no, that's that's totally fair. And I was probably equally douchey when I was dressed as Keith Flint. I don't doubt uh, that one bit. And I'm pretty sure that um, I just discovered you that. You fell out of a balcony onto a bar. Right. Of course right, you yeah. were. Of course I was. Um, but that's called and, cosplay. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, and, so, and amusingly, uh, so I was at that same show. Were um, you? Yes. Did you see that little asshole climbing up on top of me? I remember him bouncing all around. I don't – I mean it's a million fucking years yeah, ago when I, I was know, I know. hammered, so I don't remember the specifics. But also Wes, uh, our friend Wes uh, Lou Allen from Dragon Con was also at that show. Um, yeah, that's so right. We He's were, mentioned that before. Yeah. He's so a five-star. We, uh. we, we, we apparently all had converged – well before we knew each other, and here we are now talking about it on a Halloween podcast with very different perspectives. On <laughs> All th- yes, Keith, yes, Flint. extremely different. Nasty little bitch. <laughs> All right, so it is time to move on 
to the next topic, which is... Spooky events. I just want everybody to hit on sort of one thing that has been fun this year uh, that has kind of enhanced Halloween a little bit for you. And I'm going to start because I love it and I don't want anybody else to get to it before I do. And I'm the host, so that's my privilege. I'm going to talk about The Exorcist on Fox. (laughs) (laughs) You you knew I was going to cut you off. I know. I know. I had to get to it. Holy shit, that show is amazing. Uh, it is my favorite show on television right now. Uh, it's just, I can't recommend it highly enough. Everybody listening, all of you guys, uh, and, and I've talked about it on the site, I've talked about it on Facebook, we talked about it last week, but I'm telling you, it's fantastic. Uh, if you can get to it without spoilers, I feel like it'll even be more rewarding for you, but... Even if certain plot points do get spoiled, there's still a fantastic story. It's huge, it's creepy, and every episode, the stakes get higher and the world gets bigger. And I just, I can't even explain how much I'm loving this show. It's just, there are other things that I'm watching right now that I really enjoy. I love Westworld, I love Supergirl. But, man, The Exorcist is the most rewarding thing I'm watching right now. And I can absolutely see myself going back and watching it again, which I can't say about everything that I watch. Uh, so, you know, yeah, that's that's what's spooking me out right now. And what's, what's kind of made my season this year is The Exorcist being so good. What were you going to say, Derek? Oh, I was just going to say, since you don't want to spoil anything... I'm I'm trying to find a good way of describing what happened at the end of the last episode. Right. But I will I will say this. They did it right. Yes. They did it in fact it's one of those things we should have seen coming, mm-hmm. but the fact that they made us care about every, about this world they've created with this great cast um and everything that it really it, Again, I can't really go into detail here. Well, but it, it was a legitimate, holy shit moment. Yeah, and it was well played. Mm-hmm. That That's what impressed me. If they had pulled that bomb at the end of the first episode, I would have probably just said, oh, yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, but that, instead, w- that was some mature storytelling. It, that's a good way of putting it because, I mean, I, I love the show anyways. I mean, they had completely won me over with the – writing in the cast and everything but then when they pulled that i was like oh yeah uh, yeah i mean it w- it was it was one of the more rewarding events that i've seen in a show uh, that i can remember at all uh it's it's just fantastic we both love it all right derek you can't talk about exorcist what what do you what else do you have well, I, I, it's it's more horrifying than horror most of the time. I finished watching the new season of Black Mirror last night. Mm-hmm. How? So, what do you think? I've only watched the first episode, uh, and we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But uh, I feel like I don't have the mindset to love that show as much as some people love that show. So, what what is it that that uh, 
appeals to you about Black Mirror? Why, why does it work so well for you? Because I, I know you're a big fan of it. You know, I'm I'm not really sure uh, exactly what it is. I, it, to me, it's the legitimate heir to the Twilight Zone. I mean, we every anthology series that comes out, people go, "Oh, it's like the Twilight Zone." Right. But this, to me, it really is like the Twilight Zone in that it addresses real world issues with, but it does very does so without. Without being smarmy about it, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, I, I, and and it, you don't feel like you're being lectured to. Uh, but um, you know, the, I, I did like the first episode, and I'll also say this for people who haven't seen it: I think the third season is actually the best entry point. It's probably a better entry point than the first two seasons were, even though the first two seasons were shorter. Um, but, um, I, the second episode is legitimately scary. That's the Black Mirror's take on the haunted house story. Um, there's an episode that reminded me of like, uh, X-Files, kind of like if X-Files took place in the near future. <laughs> and, um, and then some, and then of course, most of the episodes are not really horror related at all, but they're, I, as I've been saying, I think, uh, uh, the Exorcist is the scare is the best horror show on TV. Uh, Black Mirror is the most horrifying show on TV. <laughs> yeah, Black Mirror has, uh, you know, it doesn't really use grotesque or supernatural elements, but it it creates a feeling of dread, and the things that it addresses will make your skin crawl. I mean, it it's it is about making. Uh, well, it, it's a black mirror. It's it's about casting a dark reflection on what's going on in society, and also the uh, the black mirror of your computer screen, which so much of the show. It, it's it's interesting because it's definitely not anti technology. Uh, it's so much as how uh, human foibles will pervert technology. Yeah, um, and how basically humanity's innate drive to be assholes is going to ruin any <laughs> any technological advances we create. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never about the technology itself being inherently evil because technology cannot be evil, right. uh, at least not yet. Uh, it's about humanity and our you're, – you're exactly right – our our problems, our issues, and, and how we – misuse the technology that we have uh, that's exactly right which is which is what makes it so interesting and and it does even though i don't love it i am compelled by it i think you'll really like the second episode uh because it it is the most i mean it it, it it's it's scary as hell uh but it's their spin on the haunted house uh, yeah. you know haunted house motif i guess you could say but it's very well done i thought I'll definitely. Um, I mean, we'll definitely keep watching them. Yeah. Um, now, as far as traditional horror, you know, I, I'll say I've been really impressed with this season of American Horror Story. Um, I actually uh, am one of the uh, co-hosts on the American Horror Story fan podcast with uh, Doc Rotten and uh, a couple of other friends. Um, and uh, we actually, at first, weren't going to do it this year, but we were so impressed with the season premiere that we. <laughs> just decided to go ahead and do it anyways and i've been really impressed this season with it after 
years and years of the show just disappointing me in some way. So yeah, I, I can totally understand that uh, because I I I don't think everybody loved Hotel as much as I did. I, I loved Hotel. I, I loved I loved what it was trying to do. I just don't. My my thing is is I'm a huge fan as as I've talked about before. You know, I'm a huge fan of that whole um, highfalutin horror aesthetic, you know, of like the hunger and things like that. But to me, it it almost it it felt less like an homage and more like I'm hoping that our audience hasn't seen these movies that we're we're referencing here. You know, I, I mean, I liked it because like Pavlov dog, you know. You, you show me some imagery, I'm going to react to it posi- uh, positively, you right. know, but, but I, I, I don't know. I, it just, it's something about it felt hollow, but sorry, not to interrupt. No, but. no, that's, that, that's totally fine. I, because we, we all enjoy different things in different ways and that's completely fine. Um, so that's, that's some television stuff. I'm curious to see, uh, Beth or Sean, uh, have, what what is working this year for you? What's keeping you in the the spooky spirit, as it were? Um, for me, it's uh, so like I mentioned earlier. I have never been to a haunted house before ever. Um, I was a very easily spooked and scared kid, um, and so I didn't watch a lot of horror movies. And the little bits of horror movies that I did see, I saw like parts of Rosemary's Baby and parts of The Shining, and and played Jason and Freddy with my with my neighbors and that stuff got into my head and I would have nightmares for weeks and weeks and weeks <clears throat> and so I was legitimately uh either well I was too scared like I was scared shitless to go to a haunted house by myself and I for the longest time I was just kind of running in crowds that they had zero interest in going to a haunted house other than um my brother but we always seemed to live far enough away that that was just never going to happen so this year, uh, hanging out with uh, – well, I almost went last year with you, um, Phantom. We, we, we nearly made it, um, and then something – I think one of our schedules got screwed up, and so we didn't. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I had made my mind up. I have to go to a haunt. I have to go to a haunt. I have to go to a haunt. Well, when uh, Ryan Cadaver found out that I have never been to a haunt, he was like, oh, well, screw that. We're going like right now. Um, and so uh, I went with him and uh, Nathan Hamilton to Netherworld. And it was amazing. Now, I will say that for a first haunt, it's nice to go with someone like Ryan who actually ran haunts and has worked in the haunt industry for a while. And then Nathan actually worked at Netherworld. So what was fun is you would walk through a room, you'd get scared shitless, and he was you know, probably a good five, six feet behind me. And then I could hear the guy in a costume when Nathan would come through and be like, hey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Um, and it was kind of like fun to see a little sneak peek, and it made this just that little peek behind the curtain made going through the haunts like i could i could appreciate it i could appreciate it for a good scare but i could also appreciate it more as an art form as well um kind of like now since i've had the opportunity to be involved in wrestling i i appreciate it even more because i know the performance aspect that goes into it so did that in another world and then i went with ryan and his girlfriend nicole down to universal studios in orlando and we did halloween horror nights and that was just epic it was amazing we did the whole fast pass thing so we could do all the haunted houses um i've never actually seen an episode of american horror story but i went through the american horror story 
uh, haunt, and I feel like I know every season so far. I would imagine um, the American Horror Story haunt would be pretty memorable. Like, even not having seen the show, like Derek said, they draw oh, from yeah. so many d- different sources, but create these visuals. Like, it is a very, very visual show. Like, it's suited oh, yeah. to be a weird fucking haunt. Yeah, and it really, really, absolutely was. It was, it, it was really good. It was the the first one we went into down there. Uh, like I said, we did nine total. Hands down, the best ones were um, uh, Halloween Two was super well done, um, and that one was done even with a minimum number of actors. There were maybe, I mean, there were a lot of actors, but there were only three characters, one of which was Michael Myers. But they would have Michael kind of jump out at you at really interesting ways, uh, and then by far. The best one, the one we enjoyed the most, was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. They actually built the Texas Chainsaw, like a facade of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Oh, my gosh. Um, you go walking right into the back of, and as soon as we walk in, you see Leatherface. He's got one of his victims, hits him on the head with a hammer, and then slams that giant door uh, like right out of the movie. Um, you know, He has that, that big old like giant steel door. Slams the giant door, and you're like, oh, that was cool. And then before we even realize it, the door swings open, and this giant of a man playing Leatherface comes out, and he's swinging the hammer at us. <laughs> and Ryan, Nicole, and I, all three of us, like, just froze and cowered in the corner for a split second. And I felt much less like a wimp for me being afraid because Ryan and Nicole were also right, afraid. right, right, <laughs> and they're the old pros. So if they could get scared, I could get scared too, and it was okay. Now um, let me ask you because I, I've seen, I, I know I have not been to Halloween Horror Nights since they've like when I was there. It was I don't even know, probably two decades. Ago, it was more than two decades ago, and it was kind of just like going to Six Flags for Fright Fest. Like, it was not the production that it is now. It was not the destination uh, Halloween event that it is now. Right. But I have seen people, I I know plenty of people that go, and it seems like everybody kind of knocks everything out in a day. Is is that accurate? Is that reasonable? Uh, Only if you have the Fast Pass. Like their Express Pass, whatever the Universal is called, right, the Fast right. Pass is the Disney terminology. It's only possible if you do that. The wait times were – so even with the Express Pass, we would still wait sometimes between 15 and 20 minutes for some of them. Uh-huh. Um, which but, is not bad at all. Which is bad. No, not at all. That's really kind of about the max that I'm willing to wait for most things. So it, it wasn't bad. And um, and because of the street atmosphere they do, like they have the scare zones in between – uh, so when you're going from haunt to haunt, there are different sections of the park that are set up, and they and they're themed with a particular like scary theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got all of that kind of going on. So waiting in line wasn't that bad. But had we not had those, there were lines. The American Horror Story line at one point was up over a hundred minutes. I think it was close to 180. So that's a three hour wait. Uh, the, the Walking Dead was 120. Um, Chainsaw and Halloween were both you know well over an hour. Um, uh, yeah, I think Ryan has another friend that's been down there for three days and they didn't do the express pass. And in three days, they still have one more haunt to go to. So oh they're going to need a fourth day to do all nine. What was, so, how, how much just, just so people are aware for future, of course, I'm sure the price will go the, up. Uh, everything does, but yeah, the how, price, the price is insane, but it's, but it's worth it because you actually get to do everything. So, um, I think all told it was, uh, with the express pass, they brought everything over, I think it was like two hundred and twenty dollars 
Oh, that's no, that's not bad at all. To, to, um, to once yeah, you get to be once you get to be our age and you have no right. patience for bullshit. Right? Yeah, yeah. I will, I will pay that all day long. I think it was like an additional hundred bucks. And yeah, and not only does it and not only gets you front of line access for the haunts, but it gets you front of the line access for all the rides too. Yeah, that's totally so reasonable. We would do like two haunts and then go to a ride because I had never been to Universal, so I had never seen any of the rides or anything. So it was great. So I got to go. We'd do two haunts and then they'd be like, okay, now we're gonna go ride Transformers so that Sean's heart rate can come down and uh, and relax because he's about to shit his pants three times now. <laughs> um, and I need Optimus Prime to calm me down. Uh, I, I am pleased to say I did lead once. Most of the time, I either walked directly behind Ryan or I walked between Ryan and Nicole, and uh, like that they were my parents keeping my <laughs> keeping me safe. <laughs> and I would have one hand on somebody's shoulder at all times because <laughs> I was scared shitless. Oh my gosh, um, that's so much fun! And uh, they said that I had to lead at least one, and so I led the Krampus one. Um, because I was like, oh, I saw that movie, and that movie didn't scare me too much. That was a very fun house. It, it did have a, a few really good jump scares, a couple right at the end. Um, I, I leapt like I was a pro football player, like <laughs> chucking and jiving all over the place. I've never been that athletic in my life. Um, but uh, So I did lead one haunted house. I was able to make it through. Every other one, I was like, nope, nope, you guys go first. You guys go first. I, uh, I didn't bring a change of clothes, and uh, I don't need to pee myself. I have often said that jumpy people – should charge non-jumpy people to go to haunted houses with them because <laughs> because you guys make it so much more fun if you've got somebody that is easily startled or like you know will will make loud noises when they're scared or whatever the case may be if you have a friend like that you bring them to the haunted house with you because that enhances the experience like times 10 well, I am that friend, so anybody that wants to pay for me to go back to Universal, I'll be more than happy to come along. <laughs> there you go. Rad Ranger will be your shrieky companion for Universal <laughs> Horror Nights. Uh, New Freer, shrieky companion. So you, yes, that's, that's, that's my big Halloween, like, uh, what's happening now and what has been awesome about this Halloween. Uh, what about you, Beth? What, what's been sustaining you this spooky season? Well, there's really not been any great movies or TV shows that I can think of because I've not had time to start The Exorcist since we talked last week. But I am super looking forward to helping my brother with his haunted house in Charleston on Halloween night. And if you happen to have read my post today on needless needlessthingsite.com, you would know that I'm going to be doing some awesome burn makeups on some bartenders in exchange for a free bar tab. Nice. All, all the payment I need, but they've got a uh, kind of a sleepaway camp theme going on, so I will be dressed as a camp counselor with a slit throat, hopefully, if I can make that work. So you're doing makeup in exchange for a bar tab, so anybody going yeah, to this Charleston haunted house, show up early, because as the night progresses, the makeup will go from really realistic, creepy burn effects to people painted red. No, no. I, I As Beth gets more and more makeup. drunk, just smear. I only like, have to do the makeup one time. The makeup is done first, then I drink. Oh, okay, they were smart. They were smart. Then. It's all it's all planned out. They they have an ice luge. Uh, as soon as the makeup's done, my face will be under the ice luge, waiting for the alcohol. I can just picture you look burned. Shut up and go yell at people. 
<laughs> and it's just smeared lipstick. It's awesome. <laughs> You'll love it. Just just like my my face, my handprint on someone's face in red. Just, yeah. You look beautiful, girl. It's, you're from anime. Just tell them it's from anime. <laughs> Well, cool. I think. Oh my god! What was that? <laughs> and there's also that? the fact that Beth is turning into a robot was, for Halloween. Was that from Cybertron? <laughs> uh, where, where? What is the haunted? Is there a name of the haunt where your brother well, is? It's, you... it's a restaurant most of the year called Woody's, but it's a. Uh, I don't know what they're calling it when it's a haunted house, <clears> but. <throat> They shut down the restaurant and turn it into a haunted house slash go get the hell drunk on Halloween. So it's uh, Charleston, South Carolina on Folly Beach. So I'm sure everybody will be perfectly safe just Googling Charleston Woodies. I'm sure there I would assume be any absolutely. need to have safe search on for that. I would assume that you could you could not go wrong searching that. <laughs> Actually, on, if you if you add in Folly Beach, what you're going to get is just a bunch of those woodside. Surf vans, <laughs> because that's that's kind of a a, a stoner surfer uh, beach. All right. Well, I think it is time to move on to the future. <coughs> this is a little uh, weirder, broader topic, and I just wanted—I was just interested to find out what you guys would come up with with this. Uh, if you could make any creepy Halloweeny or horror-related thing happen, what would it be? And this is, you know, the ultimate Halloween party or a specific movie, maybe even just a remake of a movie that you weren't satisfied with or that you love and you'd like to see it updated or a different take on it. Uh, just anything at all that you think might enhance a future Halloween in the way that the stuff we just talked about has enhanced this year's Halloween. And uh, what I would like to see, just as a, a frame of reference so you guys have something to sort of bounce off of, I have always dreamed of an immersive, and this probably exists in some form somewhere, but I want an immersive camp where you go and you stay overnight and you basically sign a waiver that, yes, things are going to happen that are just going to scare the shit out of you. Uh, but you go and you stay in a cabin or whatever the case may be, and it's this whole experience where it'd be like one of those murder theaters or something. Except it's an overnight stay, and you go with a group of friends, and it would be Friday the Thirteenth. Say, obviously, that's the the easiest frame of reference for this. Uh, but you go somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and crazy shit happens all night long. Uh, and, and one of the best times I've had, the closest I've gotten to this, was the very first days of the Dead convention uh, that was in Atlanta. That was actually held in Peachtree City, so we were very isolated. And we were oh, in this, the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. It was well, and you you had to walk. We we dubbed it the rape trail. You had to walk through this incredibly dark, poorly lit trail for about a mile to get to anywhere to eat, other than at the hotel, which was very expensive to eat at. But just the setting, 
you know, we all talked, my group of friends that I was with, we all talked about like, holy shit, how cool would it be to come stay at this hotel in the middle of fucking nowhere and just have a horror movie happen to you while you were staying here? And I, I would, oh my gosh, I would love that so much. And it's, Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse is probably as close to that kind of immersive horror experience as I've ever come. But I'm talking about like a full, you know, night or even a weekend, depending on what it was. I mean, it, it could be a convention type scenario where during the day they have your typical convention guests, you know, Tom Savini and Tony Todd and whoever else are there. But then at night, like they turn on the act. And weird stuff happens all night long. Like, I would love that so much. That That is my horror dream. So just, That would be just, amazing. Oh, it, it would be fantastic. That, that would be like an extreme haunt taken to a whole other level. Yes, it, it, it really would. Uh, Beth, do you have any, uh, and it doesn't have to be anything as grandiose as what I just described, but do you have any kind of like horror dreams? Like, oh man, I, I would love to see this thing happened. Well, yeah, mine is nowhere nearly as grandiose as yours, but mine is a little more convoluted because mine would first involve going back to the past to change the future. So I would like to go back in time and change the walking dead right around season two or three. (laughs) I will help you build the time machine for this. Please continue. I I would like to get it back on course so that, we don't have to deal with any of this crazy Rick bullshit that we've been going through for season after season. I don't even know if I would let Daryl be in it anymore. I would change the entire show so that it would be a good show to watch now and a viable show to keep going in the future and not something where I sit down in front of the TV every week and be like, well, it's 9 o'clock. I guess I better watch this bullshit again because I just feel <laughs> obligated to watch this garbage now. Oh, you poor, poor lady caught in that AMC trap. I managed to, and, and I don't want to, I know I am in the minority for people who absolutely loathe that show because I, I hate it. Uh, I love the comic book. I still love the comic book. I think it's one of the most successful, uh, long running sequential comics I have ever read. Uh, and I just hate the show. And I've dropped back Richard, in a couple Richard of times. D. Morgan. Richard Dean Morgan carried the, carried the first episode. And if, if the first episode of this new season is anything to go by, he's going to be carrying the entire season. And he's fantastic. But he can't carry the whole damn show. Well, apparently nobody can carry the whole show. Uh, but I just I, I dropped out a couple of seasons ago, and every once in a while I'll check back in for just a few minutes just to see what's up. This time I didn't even watch the premiere. I just read a recap, and I can tell uh, it's just not to my taste. I'm not going to say that it's bad. It's just not I, – I don't dig it. And I'm, I'm disappointed that I don't dig it because I would love to have a – you know, I don't need an adaptation of the comics because I don't think that's the way to do a television show. I don't think it's interesting to just straight-up adapt things – but I, I do think you have to maintain certain things about certain characters, and I feel that that show has abused the characters beyond recognition. It's it's like a train wreck now. I just can't look away. I want to look away, and I just I can't. And I I wish I could. Now now that so we I just want <laughs> now that we've thoroughly made it uncut. Do you enjoy it? You know, 
I liked the first season a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and then the second season, I dropped out, and I think that's when they were having all those round of the... And periodically, I'll try to watch it some more, but it'll be like a roller coaster. Like, there'll be a really good episode, and then the next episode will be dull. And there'll be a really good one, and then it'll be dull. And I just gave up, ultimately. I mean, it's like other things that I dislike. Well, honestly, uh, that they would quit listening to the Daryl fans. Uh, I mean, not, nothing loves metal. Uh, at the same time, this whole will rise. I mean... It, is that anybody is fair game or mm-hmm. should be <laughs> and you know when you have a character like daryl who you're just going to keep around because you know your fan base will uh, but I'd, I'd be like go ahead and write bitches tear it up what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like the the way they mishandled the tyrese comes to mind yeah you know it's like oh we don't know what to do with this guy because we have daryl already and it's like oh great you know <laughs> well, I, that's but still they had they had too many time was the problem. Uh, they, one at a time. They do have a really bad track record of of like, all right, weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. There are those that have. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a widespread issue. <laughs> so widespread issue. I have I have a, a friend who frequently points out. He's like, I had to stop watching this show because. Well, can't have more than one of me on it, so right. and I was like, "Oh God damn!" Yeah, it's it's pretty absurd. But but yeah. uh, before we get too deeply into our socio political issues, <laughs> uh, bring it right back to why Walking Dead sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, do you do you have a future Halloween project you'd like to see? Uh. I have kind of the inverse. I have a Halloween project that I that I hope never actually happens. Oh, um, and that's that. Uh, that Beth the Beth completes her transformation into an android. <laughs> no, I want that to happen. Oh, okay. That'll that'll be fun. Uh, no, I um, the Crow is my absolute favorite movie of all time. Oh, like boy. I actually have trouble thinking of it as a Halloween movie. Like it's just. Uh, this amazing fucking movie. Don't make fun of me, Hot Topic. Uh, no, I'm not. No, no, no. I like no, movie. I was saying. Oh, I, I thought I heard some disdain coming from your voice. I was no, like, no. Oh. Okay, good. All right. I take that. I rescind that Hot Topic remark. No, I, I love The Crow, and I always have a couple of songs from the soundtrack in my Halloween playlist, although not Henry Rollins' Ghost Rider, because that's one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that's not Henry Rollins' best work, uh, actually. <laughs> Um, and has nothing to do with anything in the movie. Yeah, right. uh, Ghost Rider's not in that film. Um, but uh, I, I well, and actually, as you can tell, I am used to having to defend that movie because I'm talking to muggles that don't understand it. Um, really, I thought I thought it that was w- pretty much generally liked by people. I Sean has maybe not it's just always I associate with. I, yeah, I, Sean I, has I, not I, always been surrounded by the best of people. Yeah, I was a cheerleading coach for 10 years. I spent a lot of time in domesticated suburbia um, uh, where top 40 radio is king. Uh, so um, I've only just now recently found my people and found my way back home. So swinging back around, yeah, so The Crow is my absolute favorite film of all time. Love it. Love everything about it. And I'm not one of these guys that's like, nothing should ever be remade. I'm actually totally fine with remakes in general, but the – casting rumors that have come out about 
the new Crow remake makes me hope that for Halloween's sake, the Crow will never be remade. Like, I just hope that stays in development hell forever because I really feel like the original captured lightning in a bottle. Um, and it does have so much tragedy wrapped around it that if we did a, now that superhero movies are a thing, if they try to just turn it into another superhero movie, that's going to be really, really disappointing. And I'm going to have to just pretend like it never happened. What is the casting rumor? Uh, well, one of the original casting rumors, uh, let's see, at first it was Bradley Cooper and now it's Jason Momoa, um, Aquaman, right. Um, I feel right. like the crow needs to be kind of a, a, a skinny little guy. Like he can be in good yes. shape like Brandon Lee was, but the whole point is that horrible things happen. He can't do anything about it. And then he is imbued, spoiler alert, is imbued yeah. with supernatural if you powers. Seen this year old movie. If you like he's not, this 20 year old movie. He's yeah. not supposed to look like a superhero. Exactly. Well, and specifically when Brandon Lee did this film, he chose it to break out of the action star mold because uh, he was worried about being typecast and ending up just constantly playing Bruce Lee roles because he was Bruce Lee's kid. Right. And his first film before that, which I can't remember right now, was just a straight ahead buddy cop action flick. And when the opportunity to play the crow and not do an action film action genre type film and actually do something with more character depth and that kind of thing. He jumped at that opportunity because he really wanted to, uh, you know, expand his boundaries as, as, as an actor and not just be pigeonholed into an action film. And I'm worried that what we would get is a hot topic version of an action film. Well, I mean, a hot topic version would be a best case scenario for what Hollywood would do today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Good Lord. Right. Right. That's being hopeful. You know, uh, the thing is, and I know they won't do this uh, if they if they're going to remake it, so to speak. But I I I would I wish that if this moves forward, that they use the crow mythology, but it's somebody else. It's not yeah, and and actually, I would be completely behind that, like because it is fantastic mythology, and and while some of the books that have come out after the fact have been pretty hit or miss. There are some really good stories with that mythology, and that I'm a hundred percent behind. I even I even watched the other Crow sequels that were, and those were ranged from bad to abysmal. Uh, but you know, and I could enjoy them for what they were because they were inside the Crow mythology. So it's it, it's the specifically recasting Eric Draven and telling that story over again, and right. doing it with with a modern sensibility that that I'm not. That I'm not behind at all. And again, I don't have a problem with remakes. I'm all for them. It's just. Unfortunately, I think Hollywood's perspective on it is there was one Crow movie about this Eric Draven guy and it did really, really well. But then the other movies weren't about Eric Draven and they didn't do well. And they're not taking into account the fact that those movies were fucking horrible. Right. right. They're just saying, well, I guess it's because the guy wasn't named Eric Draven. Right, they take the total wrong message. It, like with Deadpool, like they watch Deadpool. Oh, that's really successful. So what we need is more rated R movies. You're right. And it's like no, no, that's the wrong message from this. But I don't think there's anything about the Crow that needs updating. It's not like it was a heavily effects-driven movie where oh, we can do stuff. 
the effects still look fine. Everything about yeah. it still looks fine. It holds up. It's not dated. There's nothing about it that makes you look at it and go, oh, that was so early 90s. It's it's still a good movie. So I yeah, don't see yeah. the point to remake it other than, let's go make some more money. Well, and I right, think like yeah. Sean said, the the it's certainly an idea and a concept that could continue – but it needs to be furthering the mythology and using the established mythology, uh, rather, you know, like Derek said, you use the, the concept that's there. And they don't even have to directly adapt any of the other comics because they're not all awesome. But just take that concept and, and make a movie. You know, don't worry about adapting anything. Worry about making a cool movie about this idea of this spirit of vengeance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's the mythology is there's plenty of stories that could be told using that mythology. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to rehash this one. And and you could even bring sort of modern issues into it because there are considerations you'd have to take in uh, about modern society. Uh there there's a lot that could be done without remaking that original one. That's just unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. So that would be to to sort of invert the actual question you asked, which is what do I wish you know what? What would I hope for? That would be more the what I hope doesn't happen, uh, which thing. is which is fine because I wanted to see what you guys would would come up with for that. And and finally, Derek, what is tell us your Halloween dreams? Well, the pie in the sky. It's not going to happen. Dream first is um, you know we were talking. Uh, you y'all were talking about uh, Universal Studios uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Now I've never been down there, um, but you know. Universal recently bought a lot of land down in Orlando, and there's a lot of rumor that they're building another theme park. What I would love to see, and this is never going to happen, but I would love to see a horror theme park. Uh, I think, um, you know, obviously that's not going to be perceived as family friendly, which so we can just write it off now. But I've always thought it would be cool because it's like Universal has this great legacy, and they have all these great they have these theme parks, but they aren't really doing anything with their monster characters at them. I mean, and it's weird to think, and I think it'd be cool if there was an entire theme park where maybe there was a land dedicated just to the universal monster characters and maybe have like the architecture in that land be all in grayscale, you know, that would uh, be really cool. Yeah. And you know, you could have like maybe a kid's area based around Scooby-Doo or something. And then you could have like a, I don't know if if y'all have ever worked went to Universal during the early years, but they had like a really cool uh, Alfred Hitchcock attraction at one point, where uh, part of the attraction was uh, it was like replicas of sets from the movies from some of his movies, so you could like pose on them and have your photo taken in iconic scenes and stuff. And but I could see like that concept, but spread out over like a mini land. You know, um, I don't know that that is too far out of the realm of possibility because, you know, I mean, we all, as we all know, Universal is reviving the monsters concept as this interconnected universe, which, uh, in all likelihood is going to be a horrible disaster. But if they're serious about it and if they can handle it in the way that Marvel has handled their cinematic universe, it could be huge, and it could be something that spawns something like what you're talking about, Derek. 
Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know though. I, that the thing is, is I could see a land like uh, at one of their existing parks, like if they, for example, decided to just give the Marvel stuff back to Disney, which is not going to happen. But you know, um, but I don't know the idea of a horror theme park. Uh, around Halloween time, that yeah, that's going to do gangbusters. But the rest of the year, and especially, it's not going to be bringing in the family dollar, so to speak. You know, um, I don't know. Uh, but that's my pie in the sky um, thing. I, I'll sometimes sit around with some of my friends and just sort of BS about how awesome it would be to have like a ride like their uh, Spider-Man ride. If any of y'all have ridden that, my it would favorite be- ride ever. Well, imagine that technology, but themed around Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with Transformers. I would totally go on that. And yeah. uh, or, or like, uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, um, and um, but will it happen? No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But it sure would be cool. Um, now, as far as realistic, I'm just hoping that next year's uh, Dragon Con Horror Track is the best year ever. <laughs> that is my dream for 2017 horror-related stuff. Well, so. from from the little uh, tidbits, bits, and pieces that you've shared with me thus far, I think there's a pretty good chance of that being the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. I, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like this year uh, really established a um, a uh, a film discussion presence that had been really lacking in years previous. Um, and, uh, I, I, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'm hoping that next year we'll, we'll be able to build on that and make it even better. Um, so, yeah, but, I think, uh, I think you've got good ideas and good people to base everything on. I'm, I'm very excited to see what you end up putting together next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and uh, shout out to Netherworld, our regular sponsor. So, yeah, yeah Nether- totally. Netherworld. I had talked yeah. about, since y'all yeah. had talked about Netherworld previously, you got to mention uh, they've been great. They've uh, given us really cool stuff to put in the room. As you, if uh, any, if y'all, uh, well, I know you, Phantom, were in there. You saw the, you saw that ghost with the multiple eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, there's some cool. You, you guys over any track that I've seen have this, uh, this wonderful atmosphere that that really brings you into what what's going on. And that's yeah, thanks to I, Netherworld. Yeah, I'm going, and hopefully, I'm going to hopefully be able to build on that for next year. You know, one thing I'd really like to do, and again, I'm not sure how feasible this is, but um, I would love to have like a mini, uh, like if we could find a room to put a a, a horror museum kind of thing in, um, like if we have like uh, attending uh, effects artists and stuff, like maybe having some props and things, you know. That would be uh, fantastic. Oh, uh, you yeah. can do like a little mini haunt room. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, weirdly enough, I, I keep trying to think of ways uh, to uh, incorporate sort of one of, you know, if y'all are familiar with that immersive theater trend. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I keep trying to think of ways to sort of bring an element of that into the track, but I can't really think of a way to do it without it being cheesy, especially with, uh, you know, since we're going to be have be basing it around a schedule of programming so uh yeah but, yeah uh, it's, it's a it would be a whole thing to maintain yeah so i don't know I, i'm really wanting to try to get make next year 
have more audience participation type events and just make it more eventy in general. Um, so, but anyways. Well, cool. I cannot Cross your wait. fingers. <laughs> I can't Cross wait to see what you come up with, what you're able to put together. And with that, uh, that pretty much wraps up our our very broad, wide-ranging Halloween conversation. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. And, of course, it is time for everybody to plug away. Uh, Derek, where can we find you online? Well, um, if you want uh, the stuff about Dragon Con... Uh, if you do a uh, Facebook search for Dragon Con Horror Track, that will take you to our group page. Um, and also, uh, there I'm also uh, contributing articles periodically to the uh, Creepy Kingdom podcast uh, blog. Creepy Kingdom is dedicated to uh, the spooky side of Disney and related uh, properties, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, I... Are those the guys doing the Foolish Mortals documentary? Yes, James. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's him. Oh, I cannot wait for that to come out. It's a Haunted Mansion. Uh, fans of the Haunted Mansion documentary. Like it's about people that just love the Haunted Mansion. It's uh, yeah. uh, it, it's awesome. It, Phantom, if you haven't seen any of the uh, the stuff for it, you should check it out. I, I think you'll love it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, I I met him online, uh, James Carter online, and he's a uh, uh, hit it off pretty well. He's a really cool guy and. Uh, he shares a lot of my interests. Uh, also, I'm uh, co- as I mentioned earlier, I'm a co-host on the American Horror Story fan podcast uh, by uh, Gruesome Magazine, where I'm with uh, Doc Rotten and a few other people. So, uh, if you basically, you know how it is. Do a Google search if you're interested in any of those things, and it'll be one of the results you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Beth, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me at NeedlessThingsSite.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at NeedlessBeth, where I don't post often enough, but it's less annoying that way. Well, you'll you'll <laughs> get, uh, I, I predict that at no time will you ever get so caught up in the wonderfulness that is Twitter uh, that you'll start posting regularly, because it's not wonderful. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and finally, Red Ranger, where are you online and what are you up to? Uh, I am kind of everywhere as the Red Ranger, so you can go to theredranger.com uh, on Twitter at the Red Ranger on Instagram at the Red Ranger, uh, and I also have if you go to iTunes, you can search for Rad Rangers Radical Radcast, uh, a name that you actually coined, uh, Phantom. So thank you for that. Um, uh, the the alliteration is very catchy, I have been told, um, and uh, and. For the the fans from this show that have come over to my show, thank you uh, for for doing that, and thank you for letting me put that over. And and in the Halloween vein, uh, the episode that just went out was uh, part two of an episode talking about uh, haunts and um, the, like the haunted houses that you go to, not like urban legend haunted houses. And uh, next week's episode will be a trip report with more details of with Ryan, myself, and Nicole. Hopefully. Um, talking all about our trip to Universal Orlando and then Disney for Mickey's Not So Scary and sort of contrasting the two Halloween experiences. Awesome. Oh, and and uh, sorry, uh, like an idiot, I forgot to plug my own personal website. Oh, well, please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Um, I can um, – kind of my main website is the sometimes needlessly controversial website dreadpunk.com. Uh, dedicated to gothic horror, 
and general spooky vintage weirdness. Uh, don't I haven't updated it in a while. I've had a lot of things going on, but hopefully we'll get that back in the saddle soon. So very cool. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about spooky stuff with me. Uh, everybody, please tune in every single Friday to the Needless Things podcast, available at needlessthingssite.com. And uh, also, join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group. Uh, as Derek suggested, you can just Google that or go to Facebook and search for it, and you'll find it. There are not a whole lot of Needless Things podcast Facebook groups out there. <laughs> but if you have found one that is a big fan of the Firestarter guy, then that's probably not the right one. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. And we will talk to you all sooner than later. Take it easy, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you, mean it, uh huh.